And this time I'd like to invite um, any children who'd like to come up forward for a special children's message. Come sit up here on one of the plastic tarp. Any children, come on up. So we get enough room for everybody. Scoot forward, scoot forward a little bit. Kind of squish it a little bit. Child and Family Ministry here uh, today. This morning, I want to talk to you about praise, about singing. I have a friend, um, Pastor Steve, if you would come up here. I'm, I'm Steve, and this is Pastor Steve. That can be confusing, but it shouldn't be. Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve I'm has what? good looking one. And the, the much better looking one, and he's got more hair. So, Pastor Steve here, he is going to sing a few bars because I want you to know what it's like to hear beautiful music. Pastor Steve. Okay. Our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Is that good? Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Let me get my hand. Now, we just had some music that was playing, and, and hopefully you were joining in in that singing, right? Because God calls us to be people of praise. But maybe you don't sing like Pastor Steve. Maybe you sing like me. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. That's why I don't ever sing with a microphone on. Because it makes some people sad. But here's the thing. God tells us in his word that we are called to praise. And some of you, I would ask, maybe you think I shouldn't sing because I don't sing very well. But let me tell you something. God tells us in his word about how awesome and amazing it is what God's people do in response to what Jesus has done. We sing. We sing praises. We sing loud. Sometimes maybe we don't know the words, and we dance. Don't dance like me, I'm not good at it. But we dance. We get excited. We move. 
because we're excited for all the amazing things that God has done for us. We're excited for the amazing things that Jesus did for us. I'm going to borrow this Bible because Ella was holding it for me so nicely. From Psalm 148, it says this. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind that do his beating. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, sea creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women, old men and children. Sing praises to our God. God has called us to sing his praises. Sing his praises because we know what Jesus did for us. We're going to hear a reading in a little bit about how the children were singing praises about what Jesus had done. And I would ask you as God's people, as his children, as some of his most important people, to praise our Lord. God, Jesus says later, even the rocks will cry out. So I... I brought something to remind you um, to remember to praise God. Actually, back there in the Sunday school uh, area, games area, you, you can go and get one of these rocks too if you want and do some decorations with them. But here's my deal. Here's my deal about praising Jesus. God says all of creation will cry out. All of creation will praise. Don't get out praised by a rock. Don't get out praised by a rock. Remember to sing his song today. Remember to give God glory because of all the things that he does. Remember to sing praises because of what Jesus does for you every day. Dying on that cross and forgiving you to making him new. Can you guys join me in a word of prayer? You can repeat after me. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Help us to be people who praise you really loud. Amen. All right, you guys can go take a seat. As we continue our worship today, I'd ask that you uh, please rise for the reading of the gospel. Matthew 21, verse 14 through 16. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of the children you infants, you Lord, have called forth your praise. This is the gospel of the Lord. I love it when the gospel reading gets an applause. That's awesome. Again, I'm going to invite you to be seated, everybody. So it never fails. I just took a drink of water and it spilled right over the front of me. So it's not sweat like you may think, but... So we've been in the midst of a series this summer, as mentioned, uh, Songs of, of Summer, and just dwelling and reflecting on what a gift music truly is, and what a gift music is. We've been so blessed already here in worship today. Uh, many thanks 
the Bonner Praise Band today too. And, and you know, and just music in general, in life. I mean, we've been reminded of many moments in, in our lives, maybe music and songs that bring you back to days in high school or times in college or maybe songs that just uh, equate to being around the pool in the summertime or being at the beach or being on that, just cruising down the road with the windows down. And, and there's so many songs that just bring memories to bear that as only music can. Um, just a few days back, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, passed away, and it was amazing to see uh, just the tributes of people uh, coming out just to say what a difference her music has made in their lives. And, and uh, I remember even watching on, on uh, NBC and Nightly News, and there was like this personal testimony of, of the fellow pastors saying what a difference her music had made in his life. And, Looking back and what an influence she had, uh, you know, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, right, you know, and this, all the many other songs Aretha Franklin was known for. That's just one example of how music can make an impact throughout the decades and the generations. Here's another example. Of, I have a friend of mine named Scott. He's a pastor out in California, and just last weekend, he was doing a baptism at his church. A little baby by the name of Axel Cruz. And as he gathered the family up and is going through the, the baptismal liturgy and, and uh, he, he took her into his arms, or I mean him, Axel, into his arms and, and uh, shared with the sponsors and the parents and the whole congregation as he, uh, he said, now I baptize you, Axel Rose, in the name of the Father. <laughs> and the, and the, the congregation erupted and that's when the organist uh, ad-libbed went right into a, a version of Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine. I'm kidding about the last part. They didn't do that. Um, although on Facebook, because the video was preserved, it's, it's beautiful. Um, everybody started laughing. Axel Rose, lead singer of Guns N' Roses. And uh, what came out of that, too, is, uh, you know, Every Rose Has Its Thorn and some of the other great songs from that 80s hair band era. And, um, but somebody then posted, said, believe it or not, Axel Rose was baptized at their Lutheran congregation in Lafayette, Indiana. Well. Who knew? Um, so there you go. Music has an influence in all realms. Um, we've been reminded of this, though. Music does impact us in such a way that God cares enough to inspire music as well. And uh, we're going to spend some time briefly this morning in another psalm inspired by God. David is inspired to write these lyrics, and, and it's Psalm 22. And it just so happens it's one of those psalms like the gospel reading when Jesus says, you know, do you not know that the children will cry out and praise my name? That Jesus is actually quoting from Psalm 8 at that point. Even Jesus knew the, the value of quoting good psalm lyrics uh, in, in life and ministry, especially when those lyrics were pointing to him as a fulfillment of prophecy and Old Testament messianic promises that God had given hundreds and hundreds of years before they would be fulfilled in him. And, and there's hundreds of examples of that and Psalm 8 is an example of that. And I'm also going to share one from Psalm 22 with you today. I'm going to turn there. And I want to read this. As Psalm 22 ends up, David reflects. He says, You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor Him. Revere Him, all of you. For He has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden His face from Him, but has listened to His cry for help. For from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise Him. 
May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who will go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. For posterity will serve and future generations will be told about the Lord. And they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. For he has done it. You feel the passion in David's inspired lyrics here? He's like, this is awesome to praise God. Because God has done what he said he would do. He breaks through the brokenness of humanity and he restores hope and, and joy and peace in the midst of despair. David is singing a song of praise to his God. A God who answers his prayer. I love that lyric in verse 25, from you comes the theme of my praise. They're reflecting on that a lot. From you, Lord God, comes the, the theme of my praise. Because I'm convinced that something when it comes to a theme of praise, I mean, what about you? What's your theme of praise most days? I mean, if I'm honest, the theme of my praise is my own selfishness. The theme of my praise is getting what I want. The theme of my praise is waking up and just figuring out how to get through the day, right? <laughs> and then the, looking at my, my calendar, like, what do I got to do today? What's the to-do list? And, uh, what do I got to get from the grocery store? Uh, what, what do I have to do for my family that day? Or, or what's the needs of my job? Or, or maybe it's, like for you, answer the question. What is, what is the theme of your praise? Maybe the theme of your praise is success. Maybe the theme of your praise is appearing to be successful. You know, let's face it, in this area, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses that needs to be done, right? Often the theme of our praise is trying to fit in. Maybe the theme of our praise is trying to be noticed. Maybe the theme of our praise is not being forgotten in the midst of our life where we feel broken and in despair. What's the theme of your praise? You know, what can happen a lot is I think we, we get convinced is when it comes to who God is and who we are, it's easy to praise God when everything's awesome and everything's going well and, and our family's doing great and our health is, is exactly what we want it to be and and, and are, are, are successful or maybe we're being able to pay our bills and everything's going well and we're, we're planning ahead for the future and everything's figured out. And as if there is anybody like that. <laughs> But it's easier to praise God, it would seem, when things are going what in the way we would like them to go. But the real, reality is often they don't. And the question is, is it possible to praise God even when our life is falling apart completely? Chances are some of you can equate to that. You may be going through a really rough time. Maybe you're going through a divorce. Maybe you're going through a, a loss of a loved one. Maybe uh, in the midst of your family there is a health diagnosis that you do not see coming and you're, you're, you're just grappling with how are we going to get through this? Maybe for you it's a financial challenge. And you're trying to figure out what is the theme of praise in the midst of all of this. When brokenness is becoming your theme. What is your theme today? I think about that. And, you know, is it possible to truly praise God even when things are disastrous? I remember reading this years ago, and a lot of times people don't think about the Holocaust in terms of that there were many Christians that stood up against Hitler and also were arrested and taken to concentration camps along with uh, many Jews. And 
One account I remember reading years ago is of a man, a Christian, a follower of Jesus that was taken off to a labor camp and uh, lived to tell about it some way, somehow. And he gives this account. He says, my friends often wonder what kind of work I did when I was in the labor camp, in the concentration camp. It kept me healthy and sane. I, I answered them that life in the labor camp was very, very hard. The authorities in that camp put me to emptying human waste from a cesspool. And most of the prisoners were afraid to approach the cesspool because there was a lot of stench to it. And, and he goes into the, a lot of disease in the cesspool. Basically a latrine is what he's describing here. And, and, they, and he says, I was well educated. I was from a well-to-do family and... It was known that I was a follower of Jesus as a Christian, and those at the camp were aware of this, and they put me in charge of the cesspool. They enjoyed putting me to work in that human waste because they just enjoyed watching me, from a distance, that is. The cesspool was two meters in breadth, two meters in length, filled with human waste collected from the entire camp. I know this is disturbing, isn't it? Once it was full, the human waste was kept until it was ripe and then dug out and sent to the fields as fertilizer. Because the pit was so deep, I couldn't reach the bottom to, to, it, or to empty it, so I had to walk into it in this disease-ridden mass and scoop out the successive layers of waste. <laughs> All the time being forced to breathe the stench. And the guards and the other prisoners kept a long way off because of the stench, but they made me do it. But what they didn't know is I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the solitude. In the labor camp, all the prisoners normally were under strict surveillance. No one could be left alone. But when I worked in the cesspool, I could be alone. And I could pray to the Lord daily as loudly as I needed. I could recite scripture and no one would protest. And I could sing loudly the hymns and praise songs I remember. When I worked in the cesspool, I knew and discovered a wonderful fellowship with my God. I knew the Lord's presence was with me. He never left me, nor did he forsake me. Disturbing. And yet, what a perspective builder for life. Especially when we're going through the ugly moments in life. You might say, and this isn't my point, like, well, at least it's not that bad. That's actually not my point. Because moments in life, when life is falling apart, can be like that. And we're overwhelmed by it. We say, this isn't fair. And yet God says, but I am here. I am present for you. In such a way that David could share those words. You, Lord God, are the theme of my praise. In any and every situation, you are the theme of my praise. Now, how is that possible? Well, to understand that, we need to go back in Psalm 22 and read the beginning of it. Because Psalm 22 quoted by Jesus in a very important moment that reminds us of how significant it is that he enters into the cesspool of our brokenness of humanity. Jesus quotes these words from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And you, our fathers, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by men, despised by people. 
All who seek me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. He goes on, he says, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It's melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones and people stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Now Jesus quotes his early words of Psalm 22 in a very significant moment on the cross. And it's in recognition of this realization Jesus once again, is the fulfillment of these Old Testament promises. Uh, I had this happen to me um, some weeks ago. I was doing a funeral at a funeral home and, and shared Jesus as the hope of the world and Jesus as the answer even to death as one who goes the way of death and suffering in our place and rises again to new life and brings new purpose and meaning not only to today, but gives us the gift of eternal life. And you know what happened after that funeral? Somebody came up to me and she smiled and she said, she gave me this big hug. She says, I want to know more. Just what you said today, I don't have that hope. I don't have that peace. I don't have that joy. I want to know more. And it was awesome. She says, I grew up Jewish. She says, I, I, I hear about Jesus, but I, I don't know what's so important. And, and, and we talked briefly, and I said, oh, you know what? If, if you've grown up with Old Testament scripture, there are hundreds and hundreds of promises in those words that speak of who Jesus is and what Jesus would do and how he would come to redeem us and love us right where we are. It's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Just, but I want to know. Here's an example of it we just read. There he is, being forsaken by the Father, facing the brunt of our sin on a death on a cross. Here he is, as David reflects prophetically hundreds of years beforehand. When he says, like, I'm pierced. My hands and my feet. You know, a lot of scholars say that's pretty amazing because these words were written hundreds of years before Romans even invented crucifixion. And yet here's David prophetically sharing these words hundreds of years before they'd be fulfilled. Talk about inspired music. Talk about inspired music that comes to change life as we know it, even when we're in the midst of a cesspool of brokenness. A God who leads us to realize we are not alone. And rather, even more than that, he's taken and gone the way of brokenness for us. That we might praise him in any and every situation today, no matter where you are, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done. A God who says, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are set free today. We might praise him with all that we are. Years ago, I'm not a big baseball fan, and I'm going to close with this thought. There's a pitcher by the name of Oral Horsheiser. Horsheiser. He was a, a pitcher for the L.A. Dodgers back in the 80s and an incredible, incredibly gifted pitcher. In fact, in 1988, he threw just several uh, complete no-hitters, and some of them, one of them actually came in, in, in one of the National League championship games and, and closed out victory for the L.A. Dodgers, lives over the New York Mets at that point. They go on and they play the Oakland A's in the World Series, and... He continued to perform incredibly well. 
and, and pitching and, and striking out so many batters. And, and he had won the Cy Young Award that year and, and also had gone on to win the MVP in the playoffs as well as MVP of, of the World Series after they won. But the camera would show him several times on, in the dugout, kind of by himself, and, and they could see him mouthing these words. He was singing and singing to himself with a smile on his face. And the commentators at the time, they, they said, wow, yep, Oral has a lot to sing about, doesn't he? As great as his team is doing, and as well as he's performing. And some weeks after they won the World Series, he goes on late night talk show on Johnny Carson, and Johnny's interviewing him, and Johnny shows the video clip of Oral singing. And, and Johnny says, tell us, what were you singing? What was the song you were singing from the dugout? And, and he kind of looked a little bit embarrassed, and he smiled. He said, well, that's, that's kind of personal. And Johnny's like, come on. And then the, the, the crowd got into it, like, come on, sing it for us. You can sing it for us. And, and with that, in front of national TV, Earl Horsheiser starts to sing. And it's a song you might also know, and it's one I'm going to sing, and I invite you to sing it with me. With that, he sang. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us reason to praise. For you are Savior who has conquered sin, you've conquered brokenness, you've conquered the grave, and given us victory in this broken, fallen world. Lord, you don't promise us everything's going to go easy and perfectly in this world, but you do promise us your presence, and that promise that gives us that presence through your word. Lord, thank you as you open our eyes today to know we are not forgotten or abandoned, but loved, and that in every, in any circumstances, we can praise you with all that we are. May we not get out praised by rocks today or any day. In Jesus' name, amen.